This week, we talk the story so far and take a deep dive into the past few episodes of the Hideous Laughter podcast. We do a double creature feature on the Piper of Ilmarsh and Father Charlatan, then answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. Welcome back, folks. It's it's good to be on our second episode. We just dropped Zone of Truth episode one and got a ton of really positive feedback. Episode so two. Here it is. Episode two. Back in the studio. All right. Griffin, you're back. I'm back. You're drinking again. I am drinking again, but this time, this time, baby, I'm not drinking a hams. I only did that for you for the first one. This, this time, I'm drinking an abomination. It's bad. It's really bad. It's the worst thing I've drank in a long time. Yeah, it's gross. Do you want to tell the listeners what you're drinking in there? Well, it is one part Maker's Mark, one part hazelnut rum served up in a moonshine jar. I, mean, I don't even know. I think we got it in like Tennessee. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then uh, two parts root beer. It tastes. It's really bad. Uh, it's like it's like a sweet, nasty, sticky. Something or other. It tastes like really bad candy. It's it's unpleasant all the way around. But as for me, I am drinking something pleasant. No slurp there, folks. But that is a hams. Just confirming. That's hard to believe. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to run the tapes on that. Yeah. Steve, I'm looking around the room. Well, you know what? We had a lot of fun recording that first episode. Am I right? Yeah, we did, dude. We did. But. I feel like just the two of us in a room together talking will probably get stale because really? we're generally unlikable people. We could make it if we try, we, Steve. We have very little chemistry. Just the two of us? Very little chemistry. You and I? We'll, t- we'll talk later. But <laughs> we are having, you know, it's our second episode, but also our first episode where we have guests on the show. They'll be recurring th- over ac- across the uh, run of the Zone of Truth. Guess who I got with me? It's the rest of the show! Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. All right. I got Brooks in studio. I got Emily in studio. And you know I got Haley in studio. And if we're all in studio together, you know we're drinking. Brooks, what is it today? It's Manhattan today. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful daytime drink. Sounds a lot better than what I have going. I almost guarantee it. You know what? I do guarantee it is. It sounds, Manhattan sounds like a very New York y cocktail, Brooks. But let's keep things moving. I think that was a good insight. That was good insight. You're really good at this. You should practice this more. Haley, what are you drinking? Uh, I have a coffee and hazelnut rum. All right. Not bad. So it's kind of like a better version of what Griffin's drinking. Sub out some of the stuff that doesn't work. Sub Sub in some stuff that does. Yeah, I have like a reasonable version of what Griffin is. Speaking about reasonable versions of cocktails, Emily, what is it? I'm being very reasonable today. Oh. I have some uh, juice with coconut rum. Okay, okay. What's juice? Is juice just pineapple rum? Because that seems like <laughs> something you would make. 
I wish, but it's uh, strawberry cranberry juice. Strawberry cranberry juice. Yep. It's pretty good. And coconut? Yeah, coconut rum. It's just like a tropical fruity drink. All right. Well, I don't um, know. let's I don't let's know. let's get I into it, guys. Great. Let's get into it. We're going to start talking about the last couple episodes of the show because the last couple episodes of the show have been absolutely wild. To uh, get us started, though, you know, we're going to play a little bit of Sirenscape, something you might not hear too often on our show because it's very rare that the characters in our show go into an Oriental tavern. So we're going to be playing Wandering Musician from the Oriental Tavern uh, sound set on Sirenscape. Hitty slept the crew heading to Tianjia. That's that's <laughs> right. We're taking a hard left turn in this campaign. So I just kind of wanted to open up the floor a little bit to discuss the last few episodes. So Griffin and I talked a little bit on the last episode of the Zone of Truth about that lopper fight and how crucial it was that Ikmer got away and the the, the way that fight was designed. But since then, we've recorded a few episodes. We had the big oh my god, the, lo- the Lopper fight just happened episode, now what do we do? We had the escape from the prison, we were in town, we bought a bunch of stuff, we rested up, got poisoned at dinner, then returned back <laughs> to the prison. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I was definitely not worried at all. And then, you know, you guys fought and defeated, and defeated. both the Piper Vilmarsh and Father Charlatan. It's been quite the stretch of of episodes for you guys. I think we've really gotten to the swing of what book one's about, which is just like this oppressive prison crawl, and you're crawling through the prison, you're fighting all of these big bad enemies. So, I want to hear from Brooks. Brooks, what's going on in Ikmer's head right now? Ikmer got slaughtered by the Lopper, but I feel like played a very, very important support role in the last combat that we just had. Oh, absolutely. What's he thinking? As of now, I think in Ikmer's head, he's, this is, I guess, confident Ikmer. He did everything that he could and was able to do everything within the fight in the sense of his abilities, I guess. I you heard it here first, bit. folks. Confident Ikmer leaves Matumbe dying on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's I confident mean, now. He doesn't need his mom anymore. Oh boy, I don't know about that. But so I guess to hopefully explain that a little bit more is that he was able to tank some damage, and he was able to kill a couple of sturges and then a couple of skeletons along the way. I that is what. I think Ikmer is, I don't know, raised himself up to be. And Absolutely. So it's... Well, I know. Good. I know I'm thankful for, for, for your combat in the last episode. Because, I mean, I don't think it's any stretch of the imagination to say that Matumbe might be permadead right now. If there were Sturges sucking out his blood, taking his con down, and then probably get coup de grace by a skeleton. Well, then- yeah, I think the, the real big thing about that combat and and why Ikmer... Ikmer was the character that stood by Matumbe when he fell, and the other characters had kind of moved back so they could be away from the skeleton onslaught. Ikmer's not afraid of skeletons. He he feels, at least in my mind, that he can, he can tank a hit from something with a claw... He stayed by Matumbe, and what that mechanically did is that these skeletons were coming from all sides, 
they want to kill living things. The first living thing that they come across, they're going to attack. That's why Matumbe did get attacked. That's why Ikmer got attacked in the hallway. But you didn't give them a chance to just sit there and tear Matumbe open, which would have happened if you hadn't been right next to them. You could have gotten an attack of opportunity if they attempted a coup de grace, and you stayed there, and I think that's... I mean, granted, Matumbe's roles kind of saved his life, but also you as as Ikmer, Ikmer's tactical decision to stay, I think was the was the big part of that fight and what kind of mitigated the impact of Father Charlatan's haunt. Oh yeah. I definitely think that roles played a part, but this was Ikmer in support tank support doing role. doing exactly what he's supposed to do oh he's yeah, built yeah to do. he's built to protect and that's what he did he did a great yep. job he did yep. an absolutely and, great yeah. job i mean some episodes we might he might be more of a tank attack type uh, like brawler type of thing shot for shot type of deal yeah in this in this fight it was ikmer's support rather than he had to take the hit so matumbe could yeah, i'm I mean, I'm actually kind of curious about this, Brooks, because we, you know, have you on the show. Was there, like, what was the thought going through your head when you actually, I mean, you sat there and you took con damage just so that you could, you could do something else mechanically. Like, like there were a couple rounds where you swung at the Sturge, but there were also rounds where you were like, I'm just going to let this Sturge drain my blood and do something. Like, was that just Ikmer being Ikmer and like going to, to protect Matumbe, going for a skeleton, or was that a more tactical decision on your part? I think it was a little bit of both. I think it was Ikmer thinking tactically and passionately about Matumbe on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and so with both of those things, he, he knows his place, he has the ability to take some hits and the con damage without going too bad and still support. Through Ikmer's mind, it was it's a yes to your question. Yeah. Okay. It, which is both. Well, I think Steve, I mean, as interesting as Ikmer was in that combat, over the last couple of episodes, the three of the other characters have had some big things kind of happening. I want to start it off with Lyra because Lyra actually, like, where Ikmer was kind of defending, Lyra kind of took that leap of faith with the with the flute yeah, in, the, in the episode with the with the with the dinner party, mm-hmm. and then in the in the episode with the fight against the actual Piper, Lyra sacri- was sacrificing her own health on her own turn yeah, in order to, to, to bring him down. the Piper down. What? What's going what's going through her what's head? Going what's going on? <laughs> Lyra's feeling pretty trapped by this prison. She's come to terms with the fact that she may or may not actually make it out of here alive. Sure. But she can't really turn back because if the spirits fully escape the prison, that's a fate so much worse than death. Yeah. So she's stuck in that like I might die but I can't do anything else. So she's willing to make that sacrifice. And, and we had that conversation in character, Matsumbe and Lyra talking about how she knows very well that she might not make it out. And you're trying to play more conservatively because that's your new year's resolution. But you know, as a player that you're, I mean, these, these fights are super deadly. 
it's mm-hmm. the fact of the matter. They're they're intense. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're really intense, and the fact that Lyra kind of just I mean, for a majority of her action economy was sitting there playing the flute yeah. and just taking these like, you know, make a will save, make a fortitude save, take this many points of damage, deal this many points of damage, but I never told you in that fight what that D six was doing. Yeah. Like that took a lot like from a character and from a player perspective to just keep Oh yeah, the sacri- like sacrificing your character <laughs> to, hoping that 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 D6 is doing something. And speaking of D6s, I actually want to talk to you, Steve. Oh boy. Now I'm I, on the block I, here. I know a lot of interesting stuff happened in like the lopper fight and then and then you know, you took some strength damage at the dinner, but the most interesting thing in my mind was when Matumbe went into Father Charlatan's cell and just tore the pages out of his journal. I mean, I, I, let's be real. Both, I didn't know what I was doing. In, oh yeah, in character, <laughs> in character, it was huge. I like. I felt like it was huge for him, like really getting rid of this false religion or like false. Oh prophet. yeah, yeah. From yeah. a, can you explain? Maybe that to us, from a character perspective for Matumbe, both the tearing of the journal and the conversation he had with Father Charlatan, like, yeah, what, what is going through Matumbe's mind in that? Because I know it's like, it's got to be some sort of vindication when you're done, but during that, I'm just trying to put myself in Matumbe's headspace, and I can't. So I am... I am very satisfied with how that last episode went for for my character. Yeah. Not just not just that I didn't die. You're satisfied but, even though you didn't really get to contribute to the combat. Yeah, but you know, I, I put the flavor in. You know what I'm saying? Also, yeah, I, I did yeah. kill the, I did kill a skeleton. Um, <laughs> and the, people forget that one out of eight. You did it. I did it. Well, I mean, also Father, Father Charlatan. Charlatan. Yeah. yeah, big one. He's I mean, the only one that did. Really. So so anyway. The, what I'm thinking is Matumbe is an inquisitor, a man of the faith. That's it's it's the reason he left his family behind in the Mwangi Expanse. It's the reason he gave it all away was because he got this book and felt a calling to a higher purpose. Now, Matumbe immediately is at odds with anybody that impersonates a man of the faith. Not just not and not just the Ferasmin. Faith, faith, any faith, yeah. but but any one of them, and I actually one of my favorite things that came out of the last couple episodes was a th- was a was a flavor line from Brooks about how Ikmer felt mad at Father Charlatan because Ikmer it was a little self aware that he's not the smartest guy, yeah, and so he felt like he could be tricked. He could have been tricked by Father Charlatan, and he he realized that other people had been before. So Matumbe is more or less standing up for all of those people and taking down a man who is a a, a heretic, a blasphemer. Now, as far as the one on one will saves with Father Charlatan, Dude, that was great. That was that was great. I had combat. so much fun. I've never played. A, I've never played a Pathfinder combat where my character has just got completely removed and essentially we're just, you know, in a completely different headspace. I'm it, really excited to actually get to the creature feature later because I will tell you how that is written to go down and it's very interesting. I, I cannot wait. But the last thing I want to say about this is the very first thing I thought of when Matsumbe got, 
you know, in his mind, he got teleported away to this other, like, kind of idyllic, but something's off uh, setting. I just immediately thought of the last, like, five or ten minutes of Bioshock Infinite. I don't know. I doubt anybody around at the table has played this. But the the lead antagonist of that game is a ve- is very much a father charlatan figure. A lot of parallels, too, to Ed Turner. Um, yeah, Ed Turner may as well be Father. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but the, the the protagonist of the game ends. You know, his story ends in this like this idyllic looking graveyard. It's beautifully lit, and there's a there's a baptism going on. It's it's this like kind of born again Christian setting out in the middle of the day, out in the country. But you just know that something's wrong. Yeah. And that is the exact feeling I got during that big encounter. And we're going to talk a lot more about Father Charlatan. Yeah. Um, speaking about our, knowing our, that something's wrong. Yes. I, I want to get to yes. Eclipse. And that oh, is why we're I going around you the for table. last, Haley. Because, hey, I was oh, saving her for last, too. We did it. Well, Yay. I just want, just before we go get into Eclipse, I do want to say, like, from my perspective and Matumbe, I think we can draw parallels to how much he likes Phrasma to how much he dislikes a, I guess, impersonation of. And so how he was so friendly and understanding of the... Oh, who was the priest in... uh, in town, Father Greenborough. Yeah. Father Greenborough. Yes, I, Father Greenborough. Or, or, or was it Father Zokar? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it was Father Zokar, but it could have been Gerald Junior. That's oh, right. Boy. But uh, anyways, oh boy, here's Gerald. <laughs> it's not what this show is about, Griffin. Reel it in. So, like everything, everything about like Matumbe and Father Greenborough and how they have a strong connection and how Matumbe was able to, I guess, use his faith in that, I guess, in, like, any situation pertaining to that, I think he equally did the same thing to Father... Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. In a pot, like, instead of using it, his deep Instead faith, of using it to connect, he used it to find that cognitive dissonance that he was experiencing in the moment. And I think even in the combat, like... Even when I was describing the situation, and I tried to make it, I kind of tried to play that in a way that made it not really sound super believable. And I think you guys were picking up on that as as players when he was having the conversation with Matumbe and was like, "Oh, I just live down the river," like that kind of stuff. I think I think it it became like a almost the player disbelieved it so much that then like Matumbe started to see through the cracks as well even without any context oh yeah yeah and i think we'll get more into it later right for sure but now i really want to talk to Haley. there's a ghost in your head what's happening there's a killer band called the ghost inside and that's about what they're coming back they're coming back they just announced their big comeback show i might go all right but nobody else cares all right eclipse Haley, tell me what, what tell me what's going on Haley, um for real this has been a big, I mean, more than any other character in this situation has been a kind of character building, character defining couple of episodes for you. 
what are you, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? I, I know I know with the lopper, there's a lot going on. All right. So I don't know. I don't, at this point, like Eclipse says, she comes from uh, like her with her backstory as a whole. Eclipse comes from a very lonely place. She only like she was kind of kept away and like really only had her parents for the longest time. They are no longer with us. And with that in mind, she just wanted, like, as much as Ikmar just wants to protect his friends, like, he wants to be around people. And when she can't find that companionship, she's bringing it in with the ghosts? Well, no, I mean, she's not doing this on purpose. So, um, that's the thing. It's like, when her mom died, she tried to keep her mom with her as much as possible. And, like, now... You know, that little girl that she connected with for, you know, a second. She is bringing along with her, and she wants to get to a a spot where she will never be alone. Which sounds very creepy, because what she's doing is, you know, keeping souls, and and she absolutely, like, does not know that Lyra said this, but would absolutely try to keep Lyra with her at all times. She would absolutely try and keep anyone who dies with her at all times, because she doesn't ever want to be alone again. So the, the question I have to immediately follow that up is, did, is, there, is there part of Eclipse that wanted to keep the Lopper around? Or did that just happen? I would not deny that I don't think Eclipse would have been opposed if yeah. it was also like something that was brought up. She already felt connected to him. Yep. I but think he's a serial murderer. <laughs> I understand. But like at some part of her... Already felt a connection with him, and if she feels a connection with someone, she doesn't exactly want that to go. It's not a healthy one, like we are learning, but uh-huh. at the same time, he is working with her and will be keeping her alive because he wants to, you know, take her body and, and escape. But in her mind, that is a she has only gained benefit from him, right? There's you know, he, he is a serial killer, obviously, but he does possess, possess a skill set yep. that he is. He's very powerful, and maybe it would it be wrong to say that she could she she wants to use that skill set to help herself and help her friends. Yeah, I think like that? I think slowly she is gonna start to think of him truly as a friend. Like he will become Vance the friend. Yeah, I feel like the conversations are gonna keep happening. Yeah. Like whether whether Eclipse wants him to or not, but it's gonna be the lopper is becoming kind of a a part of this journey into the prison. And I don't know, like if clips truly doesn't want him to leave, I don't think he would on his, of his own volition. Right. So, I think she's going to start talking to him first too. I, I definitely think she's going to get in a di- like dire straits and start talking to him because she, she, he already told her I'm going to keep you alive. Oh boy. That Interesting. Is terrifying. Interesting. So I have a question. Yeah. So, would I guess as a character eclipse, would she knowingly use the lopper for his abilities because he is in your head, or is it a journey together type of thing? I I think that she would think that she is doing it with good intentions, but I think realistically it's probably journey together <laughs> okay okay uh-huh. yeah I, I think that's a that's an interesting point with with eclipse's character is that she doesn't 
correct me if I'm wrong, but she doesn't really seem to know the true extent of her capabilities and what she's doing as as like as it pertains to capturing souls and that kind of thing. So I think it's one of those things where she might unknowingly unleash the lopper. And she might not, she might think, oh, this is going to make me more powerful. Oh, wait, I just gave him full control yeah. type of deal. I mean, he is obviously not a good person, but he's a good killer. He's the most prolific killer that is probably was in the prison. And that's not really a spoiler. You guys kind of already figured that. Sure. Oh, yeah. I think he's, she would potentially even give him control. If it is dire straits, she is down. Her friends are down. He wants to make it out of here alive. He knows the way. She probably would be like, all right, Vance, come on. Some like, so, you're a friend now. Some sort of symbiotic relationship. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, Upgrade, like the movie Upgrade or Venom or something. That would yeah. be such an interesting parallel, too. Because, like, if you gave Vance control in Dire Straits, he's not going to be summoning a phantom steed. He's not going to be, no. like, he's not going to be doing that kind of stuff that helps the party out. He's going to help me, though. He's going to help you. It, it might might be great if everybody else dies and Eclipse needs to make it out. Yeah, exactly. Or if like truly Eclipse is the one who is down because she does a lot of frontline fighting. Yep. Um, realistically, and if there's potential where they're separated, I mean, last time we were separated not by a lot, but if we we like the groups were separated, so it was me and Lyra, and it was Ikmer and Matumbe. So if something would have happened to Lyra. I can't get back over where Ick and Matumbe are. I can't save Lyra. Hell yeah, Eclipse. Yeah. Sure as hell is going to be like, you need to get us out of here. Well, well, well <laughs> I know the way. One, you know the way. <laughs> I, for one, am very excited for the inevitable PvP that's going to happen between Eclipse and the rest of the party. But we've got a lot more on the docket today, guys. We got stuff to get through. Yeah. So we're going to move on to our special double. It is the second episode. That's two. Double two creature features. Are we gonna Next have time? to do a creature feature for every that, <laughs> every that, episode number that, it is. That might come to bite. I really us. don't want to do like uh, episode 14, 14 creatures. Oh, we gotta do fourteen. Oh, uh, well, Jesus. So I'll have to make a quick. whole zone of truth just for creature just features. For creature features. <laughs> All right. Here's my question. This is a double creature feature because we fought two big bosses in the last combat. Griffin. Let's talk about them. But first, were these bosses supposed to be fought at the same time? Okay, so that's an interesting question. They are both supposed to be encountered in a similar area. It really depends on how you tackle the first floor. That that big kind of cell, once you enter the doors of that cell, somebody is going to have to be dealing with Father Charlatan. Once you enter the cell block that you found the piper on, somebody's going to have to be dealing with the piper. The interesting part, and which is, this is really why I gave Ikmer the handle of your sword is warm this entire time. Both of those haunts can affect the entirety of the second floor. And so they're really like, they're not moving around, but they're, they have a specific locus, I guess. But if you encounter the piper and you try and run away, he can just as easily awaken the skeletons in the area to the other side of the second floor. He has that kind of range. Wow. Okay. And so before I get into the creatures, I actually want to talk about the items that you guys used that pertain to these two spirits. We had uh, the bundle of holy symbols, which is actually held by Ikmer. 
and that pertained to kind of the bundle of holy it was literally the holy symbols that Father Charlatan had on him when he was apprehended I'm not I'm not sure that I even now I know what we were using those for how to use them it's really interesting I love this item I love that Ikmer got it because he's probably the last person that should have got it (laughs) <laughs> oh no! Everything in the prison. Well, it's okay. It's done now. <laughs> everything in the prison will attack everything else before Ekmer. So all the haunts and stuff. Wow! Unless he is, unless he is the direct aggressor. So in the case of the Lopper, when he's right up there with Eclipse, he's getting attacked because the Lopper is intelligent. But the stuff like the you know the skeletons and stuff do not go for him first because of this. Really? The other thing is any haunt in the prison, Ikmer, and, and it's such a shame that, like, you guys, literally the next haunt you face after you found those items was Father Charlatan because you had faced everything on the first floor. The first floor is a ton of haunts. You get a plus two to all saves against haunts. So any save a haunt makes you roll, you get a plus two. Wow. The penalty for that item is if you had divine spell casting, it has a 10% failure rate. Okay. Just across the board, you can't get rid of it. Even when you get the items, give the item away, unless you destroy the haunt, you are cursed with that forever. Interesting. Wow. That is an insane item. Yeah. Well, I mean, talking to the, to the character and these holy items and who had the holy items before father charlatan it now like he had the bigger cell he was running the prison from yeah, a he was clearly prison. very well liked and so even the even the skeletons won't hit hit i uh, guess hit the symbols because of that and i think that's that's they knew him in life cool. and they respected him in life. And they That's exactly how they describe it, too. It's just Father Charlatan was so well-respected by both the prisoners and the guards that it's very difficult for any of their undead manifestations to attack the person that wields his holy symbols. And the, ten, and the 10% divine spellcasting failure chance is because he's a fraud. Yeah, and the gods don't look kindly on yeah. that. Which is exactly what I gave you with Vissoriana in that one session. The other item, though, this tarnished flute is such a cool item. It's a flute, right? You knew that. You you took some perform (laughs) to be able to play it. But this flute is literally the only way you got out of that Piper encounter. Because the Piper is invisible until he attacks somebody. When he attacks somebody, they are under the effects of whole person. The only way to damage him is with positive energy, which you can't target him. So if you guys had had a channel effect, you would have been able to hit him. But you can't hit him with a cure light wounds because he's not there. But by playing that flute, you deal 1d6 of damage to him every time. There are drawbacks, which you clearly had to face. You have to make a DC 13 will save to stop playing the flute. Otherwise you are kind of caught up in the performance and you continue playing on your next turn. On top of that, any round that you play, you basically make a fortitude save. If you save, you only take one point of damage. If you do not, you take 1d4 points of damage as your orifices begin to bleed at the effect 
of this flute, of playing this flute. But the benefit that you had, and that that happened a lot in this combat, because the flute is especially, specifically tailored to this combat, anything that was brought or brought to life by the Piper's song, so the Sturges and the Skeletons, within 10 feet of you while you're playing, was staggered. Could only take a move or an attack action, which really helped you guys out when Lyra was right in the middle there playing the flute. And skeletons it, have iterative attacks. Well, oh, ske- yeah. these skeletons yeah. had two claw attacks, so they could claw claw at you, and they had a decent enough bonus where they could, I mean, very rarely hit Ikmer, but but could on, like, a natural 19. Yeah, yeah, and that happened. That did happen. <laughs> sure, it <laughs> yeah, was happen. The one time I rolled hot all night. <laughs> so let's get into what these actual creatures are. Now that we've talked about the items, the piper is a haunt. What he does is he affects the entire area. He brings the skeletons to life. Any sturges in the area, so the two regular sturges and the one advanced sturge, the giant sturge, are drawn to the sound. The skeletons rise. They were bloody skeletons in this combat, so they had fast healing one. But the piper basically could continue to play. He played every round. He targeted one of you each round. You had to make that will save or be affected by a whole person, which made you basically immobile. Yeah, and invalidated. It terrified me when when it got held. Oh yeah, and it, it was, was trying to tank up for Matumbe. Well, I th- well yeah, because Matumbe began to be attacked. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think the the roles in this combat were so huge. In so many different ways. Oh, we will certainly get there. <laughs> but so it, it's just one of those things where you guys rolled so high to your point that he never got to get off his actual damaging move, which was if you failed a will save when you were under his hold person effect. If you passed, you got out of the hold person. If you failed, all of these like sturge bite wounds opened up on your skin and you took a D6 of damage but he could just kind of keep doing it. The one thing I very much regret and I forgot is that you guys were supposed to make a will save every round. I did not do this, but it is, I think, I don't think it really affected how it would have played out just because the rolls were so good, but you guys were supposed to be shaken if you failed a will save every round that the song was playing, which the when the Piper was alive, the song would have been playing. Now, Ikmer would have taken a plus two. You all would have been at a pretty decent bonus to it, so I I don't know that it really impacted it, but that is a part of his stat block. Well, Shaken is... Minus two to your... Okay. Like Shock. The, okay. Yeah, your, like, attacks, pretty your skills, your... Yeah. Got it. Um, I was... Well, yeah. I was thinking that if it was... What is it? Staggered? That's, like, just a move action aura? That would have been terrible. Well... Yeah. No, I actually, I don't think so at all because we didn't do much moving. You guys didn't move at all. You would, no. it would have been the same. No, in fact, we except when I was trying to crawl away and drink potions. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. would have fucking sucked. Yeah, that would have sucked. Yeah. But Father Charlatan, though, dude, this is where I want to get because this is one of the most interesting haunts I have ever read in a Pathfinder book. This haunt is insidious. The last person to touch his journal or leave the cell 
either one GM's discretion. My discretion was Matumbe tore all the pages out of the journal, so which which Father I didn't know was how bad this was. Clearly keying on him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it. The best part was Matumbe was under the effect, and he cannot detect evil on himself. If any of you could have detected evil, you would have seen the presence of Father Charlatan's ghost literally with a hand on Matumbe's shoulder, following him around the prison. But none of you have that except for Matumbe. Matumbe could not see this. It was it was beautiful. It was That's poetry. That's <laughs> so cool. But what happens is the first time you take damage in a combat, which just so happened you went from Father Charlatan to the Piper combat, and Matumbe took damage in the first round from one of the skeletons, the way it's supposed to be played in the book is that I separate that person from the party and I say that damage was enough to kill you. You wake up, you're in a coffin, you see a kindly priest in front of you of your faith. The way the haunt works is it it basically renders him immobile with those ghostly chains. The rest of the party has to make a choice. They can either deal with the rest of the combat happening around them or they can deal with the person that is clearly taking damage and like seizing on the ground covered in these chains, these ghostly chains. And the party very clearly made their choice here. Well, (laughs) I think they made the choice based off of the roles. So this is where I wanted to say without you rolling higher than like a, a 13, almost every roll against Father Charlatan, this would have been a very different combat. You only failed against him one time. Statist- statistically, well, we figured out it was a DC 16. It was a DC 16 with, will save. With with my will modifier, I needed to roll a 13 or higher. Statistically, Matsube should have been dead. Wow. That, I should have failed. Every, modifi- I thought every your modifier time, was way higher. So I was, oh. oh man. Every time you fail that will save, you take a D6 of damage. Every time you pass a will save, you deal D6 of damage to Father Charlatan. It's literally a war of attrition. You are just going back and forth, but there are external forces that Matumbe couldn't couldn't do anything about. He was trapped in this. He couldn't do anything about the skeletons attacking him or the Sturges sucking his blood. Mm-hmm. So it was a very interesting double dynamic to happen in one session that I absolutely loved. I had a blast with it. Oh, absolutely. I think... I mean, I guess in different circumstances, Matumbe fails uh, fails a save. Ikmer can't hit a skeleton that's hitting Matumbe twice, like with two or with two claws. It would be totally different taking damage on two fronts and possibly it would have just been that much. Well, and he just had no AC, so he could he you know skeletons were able to hit him easy peasy. Mm Mm-hmm. But enough about this. <laughs> this creature feature, I mean, this th- this encounter, this whole encounter design is phenomenal. I loved running it. I thought it was a blast. And I was really excited. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wanted these guys to, like, do a number on you. But your roles were so good. And it was such the feeling in the room when that was when that was happening. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was, like, so much fun that you guys were that's, rolling well. That's why we you were rolling through this combat. It's like you have the combats like the Lopper that are just dire straits, and you have the combats like this where, yes, the odds are stacked against you, but you guys seem to just be triumphing at every turn, and that was like, again, that's like the beauty of Pathfinder. It's just the, the rolls are going to make it, but 
we had so much fun recording that one. It yeah, it actually, I actually felt pretty confused during most of it because I was, and uh, I was like not understanding that this was serious. I guess like I was waiting for. Father Charlatan to actually like show up and yeah, waiting for the Piper it. to like actually show up because honestly, I mean, I was bashing skeletons all day long. Like I didn't have yeah. a lot of other things going wrong because we were rolling so well to the point where I was just like, I didn't use any of my spells because I was like, this is going to get worse. This is going yeah, to get worse. Is, oh, yeah, but then you guys came out clean. You guys came, I mean, right. aside from the damage you took, you guys came out clean pretty much. It's like, what do you do? Like cast two cure lights or something? That was that was really cool that the lopper is a wraith. We had a creature feature on that last time and we really dug into like this monster. But these these two other haunts which are or I am sorry, these two other big killers criminals, it, you know, Paizo wrote them a completely different way. A haunt is very different from a yeah. creature. And so that's it was interesting. It was. And to be honest, like from going off of what Griffin said, I had equally as like as much fun fighting this fight as I did fighting the lopper when we were losing that yeah bat. yeah I will th- say that I think losing gets a or like I guess having bad rolls after bad rolls I think that gets us like I guess that puts me as a player more into it a little bit but it, it also makes you another level of frustrated. It's like exactly. you could tell the frustration from Steve in that lopper fight when he was like, when he failed that acrobatics check or whatever it was, failed to hit the lopper on that last round that was supposed to save Ickmer's life and he rolled a natty one. Like that was anger. That was oh, true absolutely. anger. I, I, <laughs> I, t- I took my D20. I was about to throw it. I sit across the table from Emily. I was like, I can't throw this D20 at Emily. <laughs> Thank so I you. threw it straight down onto the table. I was so mad. So next, ti- so next time you're rolling extra poorly, we'll have to build a wall between. That's right. So Emily, what did you actually think? And this is the last part I'll do on the, on the creature feature. But what did we you got think mail. of? What did you think of me keeping that whole, like you're dealing damage to the Piper thing a secret? I thought it definitely kept me very immersed in the battle because there were a lot of things going on. I mean, we were fighting. I knew we were fighting two big bad guys. Lyra didn't really know what was going on with Father Charlatan, um, but not knowing exactly what she was doing was tough. But she she could see that playing the flute was staggering the creatures. So like, yeah. So she knew the, the flute was something that was at least beneficial. Yeah. And she knew that it did some damage to the haunt before. So it was all, all faith that she was yeah. oh, hopefully doing Lyra something was, I think this was Lyra's Lyra's fight to lose. And she played it perfectly. You and well, yeah, you played it perfectly, but as Lyra, I don't think there could have been a better character to do what she was able to do. Yeah, she had to adapt to the situation. She had to take some damage, but... Uh, Boys need their time to shine, because uh, Haley dealt that last... Eclipse dealt that last blow to the lopper, beat beat his health by one point. Lyra drained down the piper, like almost unknown to the rest of the party, completely killed that that encounter like 
Oh, and Matube had his moment. Oh, I fucking soloed. needs his moment. I fucking soloed Father Charlatan. Well, now, obviously, the only way the encounter could have done it was with Brooks. I know, I know. But well, the only way that encounter works is when it is a solo encounter. Yeah. I mean, it's like you have that happening, and people can do the positive energy thing on that haunt and do whatever. But in reality, it's you versus Father Charlton, a test of wills. In summation, Lyra versus Piper Vilmarsh, victory Lyra. We all win. It was great. Matumbe versus Father Charlton, victory Matumbe. Everybody's really impressed with my performance the last uh, episode. Hey, it's been great. Steve, uh, don't break your arm jerking yourself off. Oh, man, I've never seen Rick and Morty before, but that sounds like you pulled it directly from that. Um, that one's before Rick and Morty, but... Really? That's where yeah. I got it from. I have seen Rick I mean, and Morty he, before. they say it, but it's bef- long before Rick and Morty. All right, speaking of jerking off, let's talk about listener questions. So, <laughs> Jesus Wow, Christ. that's a transition. All right. Smooth one. Smooth so our very first, we've got a lot to get through today, so we're going to have to be quick. All right. Our first question comes from a fan of the show, a longtime fan of the show. Um, she tuned in like in. Oh, way like, early. When we were on episode five or six or something, I yeah. feel. Um, before th- that, this, maybe. Is, th- this is our friend Robin at Deoxia Rio. Um, she, she, she's going to be on this podcast for the untimely dead. I think they're playing like the wraith system or something. Yeah. Well, no, yes, they, they are definitely playing the race system, which is one of the D 10 systems, which is really cool. We'll be, I mean, for those of you that listen to us would be a really cool, like kind of yeah. divergence from the whole pathfinder system. Find something that's not a D 20 system and hear how it's played. They've, they, they've been hyping it up a lot. I'm really excited, to, really excited to tune in, but her question, I think it's a good one to start for the whole party. So, she asks, how did you all meet, become friends, and decide to start a podcast? Now, we covered that last part in episode one. How we so started we're, a podcast. So, so yeah. we're going to skip that. But, you know, what's what's the story of our little squad here? I want to know. You want to well, know because you don't know? I want to know. Steve, I feel like you're like the keystone, though. Wow. No, yeah, like, seriously. <laughs> you, We would not have all met. Keith Stone. No. Right so here. <laughs> All right, so I guess I guess I was signed up for this. So the story starts when I was just getting. I was growing up. I was going move to college. Along, move it along. Move it along. All right. All right. Wow. So, <laughs> we can tell you how back. we met, and then how we met you. <laughs> all right. So, so I lived across the hall my first year at Indiana. That's where I went to school. IU. Go Hoosiers! Wow, this is really far back. Yeah, this is no, this really is. It makes back. sense. It makes sense. I'm gonna. I, it'll speed up. I'll speed up. But this makes sense. So I lived across the, the hall from our good friend Tim, who GMs are who GMs rise the Rune Lords and return the Rune Lords. Now, Tim and I both lived together virtually all four years of college, and then we moved to Columbus for completely separate reasons. But I'm getting the eye from everybody that this is, that <laughs> this is really way interesting. Too Please continue. We moved to Columbus from two, for two separate reasons, but decided to keep living together because things were going great. So Griffin and I actually used to work together. We did used to work together. And never really hung out when we worked together. We did hang out when we worked Little together. Bit. We hung out for the whole last year I worked at Abercrombie. So, but I'm getting there, Brooks. <laughs> You'll be relevant in a second. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Anyway, uh Tim met uh, Emily through the program they're at at, o- at, uh, at OSU. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. If not, just cut that shit out. Um, what are they going to do? Come after us? Because you didn't say the? 
Oh, that's a good point. So the OSU. So for for a long time, Tim, Emily, and I were hanging out. Emily and Brooks were were dating at the time or engaged. I can't remember. And then dating Brooke, then engaged. I think Brooks moved down to uh, to Columbus. We all started hanging together. We had a nice little little squad going on. And then uh, we started playing a lot more Pathfinder and stuff. And just naturally started to hang out more with Griffin and Haley and uh, that's that's how we all know each other so See, how, did, all how did important. how did the couples meet that's the important part that, I guess nobody so. cares about Steve shut <laughs> we just said he was the keystone we just went through this whole thing where I'm important I'm the keystone <laughs> this is my show god damn it <laughs> how, how did how did how did Briggs and Emily meet how did you guys meet I wow. want. I want. I, I, I want to hear Emily tell the story. Yeah, Emily. Okay. <laughs> so Emily, you should probably start out in like, high school. That's when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I, this episode's over. I hate you all. <laughs> uh, no. So Brooks and I actually met at a bar. He a pioneer. Yes. In uh, when I was right. still an undergrad. I was not drinking at all because I was in season for cross country, but my roommate convinced me to go out to the bar and just like hang out. And so we're at a, the Pioneer is a pretty chill bar. You just kind of sit and talk with people. There's some pool tables, and there was a cute guy that was there with his friend, and they came up, started talking to us. They had never been to Water Street, which is like the campus bars. Uh, in Eau Claire and so we showed them around to a lot of the bars in the area and then uh, I never thought I was going to see Brooks again because he was working out uh, very far away and then he just kept coming back to visit couldn't get rid of him <laughs> uh, and yeah then we started dating and he moved to Columbus with me and the rest is history yeah I think, I mean, I was originally there to visit my best man at our wedding, CB, and yeah, the first time that we went out to the bars, decided to chat up this uh, this cute girl here, and uh, that was probably first sight. It was something like something like that. Love the seventh beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was actually very. Like hearing the fact that she was drinking at the time, I didn't know that when we first met. Oh, you didn't she, know she was sober? No. <laughs> well, like, uh, which Got is <sighs> which is ridiculous <laughs> because I specifically bought her a beer or bought her uh, rum and coke. She definitely gave it to her friends, didn't you? Yes, I did. Nice. Oh. But I didn't want to say no because then I thought you would just leave because you, you like you would take that as a sign of I didn't want to talk to you. Um, so I I'm said yes. She knows how to, to play friend. the game, Brooks. Okay. Well, okay, playing the game, I definitely... We had been to Water Street the time before, but just for lunch. So we had been to Water Street before. And so, very different. Asking, yeah. So then, right, asking well, I can't you talk guys, my entire college career, you can't talk about the times you've been to Water Street. <laughs> yeah, get out. All of right, here. we need to move on to the other couple. All right, Haley, you want to tell it, or you want me to tell it? Uh, it also involves alcohol. Yeah, I yeah, Haley, yeah. Surprisingly I'll, I'll enough, tell I'll tell it. You want to tell it? All right, don't yeah, put me in a bad light. Do you know how long ago it was, though? 
It was, was it five or six. Five and a half years ago now. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm really bad with that stuff. Um, anyways, so uh, basically, I was at my standard tailgate for uh, a game, which means I was drunk and I was with all of my friends, so I felt nice and uh, safe to just go ahead and drink everything. Yeah. Um, anyways, Griffin and his family. Like, my family took me to this. Awful I mean, den of villainy and sin. I mean, this like tailgate. his mom, his dad, his sister, and Griffin all roll up with a fucking cooler, and uh, I did have a huge cooler. <laughs> Griffin was wearing this gold football helmet, and I just thought he looked kind of like a fool. But his mom came up to me, and she was um, not sober either. Uh, and she, my mom didn't remember you from that. I know. Shout out to Lori Norman. Uh, <laughs> anyways, she came up to me, uh, seeing that I am a very, very short person, and she is also very short, came up to me and was like, you're really short, but, uh, have you met my son? That's, what a That's transition. The That's the That's the that was about it, and I, all I was thinking is, I do not know who the stranger is, but Griffin was drinking... I think moonshine from a jar. I, I had one of those like Firefly moonshine bullshit yeah, yeah, yeah. things, and I um, was just literally drinking it by myself. Right. So I. I <laughs> oh man! I brought it to the tailgate, and I was gonna leave it at the tailgate. So the way that we met is, I walked up and I just said, "Is that moonshine? Can I have some?" And <laughs> story is gone. And the rest is. Hell is old as time. <laughs> song is old as rhyme. And then he got really Beauty mad at me because my friends took it. Like. Your me. friends did take it. That was kind of horseshit. Yeah, my friends like took it because you know everyone's drunk and they were like more alcohol. Woo! So our next question comes from our good bud Jason Lillis. This is the guy that's compiling the list of every Pathfinder it, actual play podcast that that is, is out there. If you're looking for shows like us, I said it last time that are covering other APs. Definitely hit this dude up. Check his list out because. You know, you'll find more shows that you're going to like. It'll be great. Okay, so Jason asks, do your characters have Spotify playlists? If so, what's on them? And when can we hear them? So I will answer the last question now. You can hear them now. We're going to put together, well, before this episode drops, we're going to put together this Spotify playlist. And we'll drop the, um, the hyperlink in the description of the episode. But we're going to rotate around the table here. All of our PCs, myself included, have a bunch of characters or uh, a bunch of songs picked out for our characters. I'm getting a head shake from from uh, from Haley, so maybe that's not the case. But Griffin is going to get on the action too. So some of our NPCs actually have playlists. Oh yeah, baby, as, they as have songs they're going to get on the playlist. I'm going to start with. Brooks, you put a lot of effort into this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed this a lot. Tell me first fact. what's on Ikmer's playlist. Ikmer's playlist. First one is Move Along by All-American Rejects. Aww. Skyscraper, Demi Lovato, Fix You, Coldplay, Dreaming with a Broken Heart, John Mayer. Man, and there's quite a few other ones. Whiskey Lullaby, I think, is probably the best one Whiskey is Lullaby <laughs> by Brad Paisley. Is is that the one we were listening to before the before the show that was super depressing? Yes. Oh man, that that is a perfect Ikmer song. I, I think, think depressing really song is. works pretty well for it. Oh yes. Cheers. And there's a there's a couple other ones, but I won't get not, into not it. Not hungry super like deep. the wolf. Nope. Not werewolves in no, London. He definitely. <laughs> that one would be great, but uh, he does have Animal I've Become on there. That's a well. great one. Oh, That's my a great God. one. God. 
That's All right. insane. <laughs> All right, who wants to go next? Throwing it out there. Let's hear it. Let's hear I can it do Lyra. So Lyra, being very musically talented, and she loves singing, the first song on her playlist would be Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid, but the sing-along version. Didn't see that coming. Of course. Uh, and then she's also, you know, a little bit strange. So mixed in there are whale songs, like actual oh. whales. Oh, is, right. that, is that a Spotify track that we can uh, put on the playlist? <laughs> I found it on YouTube, but I'll try to find it. Just Dory doing the, like, Hello, Hello. <laughs> my name is Vera. <laughs> Jesus, somebody make a drop out of that. Am I right or am I right? Um, <laughs> Haley, do we have songs for clips? So this is, this is the thing. I love this question. I like the idea of it. I do not personally listen to music so i have at all correct ever like i listen to music when it is on on the weekend and you and brooks and griffin (laughs) put it on like so you only know ale store i mean i I listen to a lot of music in high school but since then i have you know i have a 45 minute commute um and in order to stay awake i have to listen to people talking and not so that's where i listen to podcasts i mean that's also songs People talking. I, I can't because it's it's a, like almost like a lullaby. Like it puts me oh, asleep. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I I have to have like people talking to me while I commute. Um, and then also I work in a factory, and so I can't I can't listen to music at my desk. So there is not really a time. Yeah, of course. Now, Nana, that being said, I have one song so far that I've thought of, and I want to put some work into this question. It's just going to take me some time. So you might see more uh, songs being Populate added. The list. Yeah. Yeah. As time goes on. Because I love this question and I want to put the right work into it. But um, Nana Opal has one song. Okay. And that is A Spoonful of Sugar. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's so perfect. <laughs> like, oh, man. So far, that is one of the songs that got stuck in my head while I was building the character. Wow. That's that, perfect. It yeah, really is. is. You did a great job. <laughs> All right. So we're going to see some more stuff from you on that Spotify playlist. Here's what we're going to do now. I'm going to ask Griffin about some of these NPC jams, and then we're going to circle back around to Brooks, Emily, and myself. Um, actually, no. Fuck that. I need to do my good character. Then we'll do evil characters after NPCs. That sounds good. So what's on Matumbe's playlist? I didn't, I didn't pick a whole ton of songs, but I picked a few that I thought were very appropriate for Matumbe. So I picked two songs from the band Parkway Drive. I am a huge metalcore, post-hardcore fan, and I've seen Parkway Drive a whole bunch of times. I love those guys. Um, the two songs I picked from them were Crushed and Wishing Wells. Now, Parkway Drive sings a lot about... They, they have a, a lot of atheist overtones in their music, which seems kind of at odds with Matumbe's, you know, being a divine spellcaster and having this connection to a goddess. But uh, these two songs in particular really encapsulate how Matumbe feels about other people that worship gods that he does not hold <laughs> in his heart. And, and, that's kind of fair. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think it goes really well. So that's crushed and wishing wells. Um, the the last song I had for Matumbe is a song called "Death Is Not Defeat" by Architects. A- again, another another a similar band to Parkway Drive. They play amazing music, but the song "Death Is Not Defeat" to me, really, what it, it came from. What I think the guitarist in the band passed away before they recorded their last album, and so this song is about you know moving past that and how you know death is part of life and. It, 
it does it, it's not getting them down and they're going to continue and be better and honor the memory of their friend obviously fits in with the big Farazman culture and faith um griffin npcs okay, well, what i got, you got a couple of npcs for you but before i lay down the npcs my kind of song for running this campaign is by a band that I'm wearing the sweatshirt for right now, a band called Power Wolf. Of course. <laughs> and it is Army of the Night, which if you listen to it, you will see that every gothic horror that I throw at these party at this party would fit right into that song. Certainly does. But as for NPCs, I started off with uh, with little Mr. Aaron Vrood. Arnvrud, if you can remember correctly, is kind of your boss in the evil interludes. His song is Am I Evil by Metallica. Main lyric being, Am I Evil? Yes, I am. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Horace, uh, this, was a, this was a tough one, and there are, I will probably put together an entire playlist for Horace, but off the top of the dome, uh, this one is the Whisper Song by the Yin Yang Twins. Fantastic. Not him as an actual NPC, but the way we put him together in this <laughs> podcast, I feel like that makes sense. Oh, yeah. The Lopper. The Lopper is uh, definitely an interesting character to play, and I think the song that encapsulates the kind of character he is is Butcher Pete by Roy Brown. Those of you that have played the Fallout franchise would know it as the song where it's like, He's hacking, he's whacking, he's smacking. Oh, that's Chop good. That I never knew what that song was called. Yep. That's great. Uh, and then for the Piperville Marsh, I'm going Devil's Dance Floor by Flogging Molly. So those are my NPC picks. I might add more to the list as as different NPCs crop up. I'd like to do a Jasmine Phoenix one, but I haven't, mm-hmm. haven't put enough thought into it. We uh, didn't start the fire. Yeah, we didn't start the fire is a yep. good one. Uh, but... But yeah, those are my NPC picks. So cool. why don't you guys do your evil, evil character picks? Let's hear it, Brooks. What does Ed Turner listen to? All right. So the Ed Turner playlist is a lot of, I guess, less faith-based than what someone might think. But it is this dark, classical, um, and to put a song to it, Winter from Requiem from a Dream, or For a Dream, is definitely on the list. We talked about this one beforehand, and it's yeah. not one that I would have thought of by myself, but now that I've heard it and think about it in the context of Ed Turner, it fits tonally so well. Absolutely. And he's got a couple other ones as well. Uh, I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany. Every Breath You Take. Oh, my God. The Police. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, yes. Uh, you Belong With Me, Taylor Swift. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I hate all of them. We belong by like Pat Benatar. Like I it's a lot of like we together type of songs. No, they're not all just directed at Dr. Viv. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of which, so those the, so those are songs from a man that wants to bring people together. Now let's hear songs from a lady that wants to take them apart. <laughs> Nailed it. Dr. Viv, let's go. Nice transition game. Vivian also has some pretty dark and creepy music on there that's all instrumental. 
that will be on the playlist. You should definitely listen to it. Just listening to it ourselves beforehand, it reminded me of just like cut scenes of Vivian, like getting prepared for surgery and you'd like cut over to someone in their terrified face as they're like held in place. Um, But she does have some other songs as well, like Mad Hatter by Melanie Martinez and Bury a Friend by Belly Elish. See, I would have gone Cannibal by Kesha. Oh, no. (laughs) That's a good one, too. Yeah, maybe we'll throw that on there. As as for everyone's favorite wear tiger, Saw, um, my first song is Should Know Better by Comeback Kid. It's super thrashy and fast. It's only like two and a half minutes long. I used to be in a punk band. We used to cover that song. Whoa, yeah, you could tell. Yeah, no, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. But then basically the rest of the songs that I have for Saw come from a band called Beartooth. They're local to Columbus. Brooks and I just saw them a couple months ago. But a lot of their songs revolve around this self-loathing and substance abuse um, that that they've experienced in their lives. And actually, while I was kind of after we recorded the first evil interlude, I I, I wanted to have some sort of substantial transformation for the character. And when I was trying to figure out what does Saw look like a few months after that initial run, I was listening to a lot of Beartooth at the time and thought that that was, that, that was just perfect for the character. So I've got a few songs on here. Um, Greatness or Death, Loser, Hated, and then the one song that I want every single person at home to go listen to if you want a, like a, to, to, to peer inside the, uh, the mind of Saw Moon Isle is I Have a Problem by Beartooth. Yep. When he's it, he, no, I couldn't tell you based. Uh, oh yeah, based the character off of that song. I actually pulled a, a couple lines of, of of dialogue from these songs that you'll be able to tell from all the songs that I listed before um, that I actually used in game. But I have a problem was definitely the one that influenced me the most. Um, it, it really sounds like the lead singer is hurting his voice when he's when he's screaming about how he's you know dealing with his substance abuse and it's it's hurting him and the people around him it is perfect for for saw i love it well on that note i got one last question and it's from our boy necessary evil on the discord great guy great community person he's all over the discord chatting up people he's also stealing my pokemon in the pokemon channel so stop doing that (laughs) (laughs) So let's say Lorimer's burial went off without a hitch and nothing else had occurred. What do the players think their characters would be doing instead of getting their asses kicked in all manner of terrors? So that's a kind of interesting question. What do you guys think your characters would be doing if they weren't adventuring, I guess? Okay, so I've thought about this a lot, actually. Um, Because E comes from a, like... Again, a lonely world right now. Her dad very recently passed. Like, she probably only just got over mourning him and decided to come to the funeral just to be around people. Like, that is why she came, realistically. Her dad knew Lorimar very well. Her family knew Lorimar well. But she came not to pay respects as much as to, like, be around other humans. Um, Even though she's not human, but other, you know, people. So she would probably, you know, end up hanging out in... Raven grow potentially even staying with uh, Kendra, even if that wasn't requested of her, just to be like, I also just like lost family. I know how this is. Um, like 
wanting to bond. And then once she, probably once she builds up enough confidence, she would have gone out and tried to probably find her biologically biological family, which we've given um, a little bit of insight on. Couple with nods. A, too. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, her dad and her mom that she refers to are not, like, her biological parents and family. So she knows uh, she was too young to kind of remember where exactly they were planning to go. So she would end up probably off on her own trying to find some Yangs in, (laughs) you know, Galarian instead of Tian and... uh, So Eclipse walks the earth. Kind of, (laughs) yeah. After she spent some time in Ravengrow and, like built up some sort of friendship, she would probably see if anyone would come with her and find her family. Nice. Emily, what do you think Lear would be doing? Professor Lormore's death would have affected Lyra. That would have been a bit of a transition point for her, no matter what, even if we weren't uh, going on this adventure together. He was really helping her control a lot um, and kind of keep her power in check. So without him there, she would go, I think she would go on self-reflective trip. She would definitely be drawn to the ocean, so that's where she would be headed. And she would just kind of be reflecting on uh, the help that he gave her and her new life now without his guidance. I mean, she still has her father, and she loves him very much, but he's not as... Quite as knowledgeable and as yeah. learned as yeah, Professor exactly. Lorimore. He's more of a charisma-based character. Yes. So very helpful, <laughs> but not always what she needs. So she would kind of go on that uh, soul-searching adventure for herself and hopefully not bump into any Nathalgus. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened either way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Ikmer, if the funeral, uh, I guess, went off without a hitch... He would probably go back to his nowhere town, go back to doing the same thing that he was doing before, being a caravan escort and taking this like punishment, verbal abuse from everyone that he was, I guess anyone that was going to pay him just the slightest scrap of money just so that he could get by. Do you think he would have turned to the drink either way? I do. I definitely... So that is exactly where I guess it diverges between what he is doing versus what he would have done. Is that without this, he would have turned to the drink just as his mother like is currently doing. But because he found these friends, found companionship and a purpose, he wouldn't find wouldn't have to replace that with drink because he has friends now. So he only drinks when he gets the shit rocked out. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I mean, yeah, he it probably would have been a self medicating uh, solution for him so that's where it would probably be different he'd probably live a pretty short life if he hadn't find like found this purpose you of, mean either way right <laughs> oh, I don't we don't know about that Matumbe and then there was Matumbe so though Matumbe is from the Moagi expanse and he came a whole long way to come to Professor Lorimore's funeral 
He really has no ties to the Milwaukee Expanse. Obviously, he has familial ties and he has the people that he grew up around, but he basically gave that all up away voluntarily to pursue his version of worship of Phrasma. Now, if the if the funeral went off, I don't see a reason why he would return to the Mwangi Expanse. I think what would happen with Matumbe is that Matumbe would probably spend some time with Father, Father Grimborough and learn about this different interpretation of the word of the Lady of Graves. Um, potentially dig some graves uh, while he was there. Maybe teach Gerald Jr. Um, how to <laughs> oh, dig graves like put, a little faster. More like put Gerald Jr. out of business. <laughs> put him out of business. Um, and then once once he feels that he has everything he could get from Father Grimborough, he would move on and go continue spread the spreading the word and combating people like Father Charlatan across Abistan. Um, I think that pretty much sums it up. And before we go, Griffin, yeah, what would you do as a human being if Father uh, uh, if Lormore's burial went off without a hitch and you didn't have to run this damn campaign? Jeez, I'd have so much free time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you again for tuning in to episode two of the Zone of Truth. Brooks, Emily, Haley, thank you for joining us. We're going to have you back on here soon. Of course. Happy to be here. Yeah. Any last words to the fans? Uh, nothing. We love you guys, as always, and uh, keep up the good support. We love hearing from you on Discord. Thank you for being awesome. That's about it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Guys, y'all succeeded your will saves. Finish your drinks. Finish your drinks. We'll see, we'll you, see you next two time. Two weeks. Later. I knew it. God damn it. No. <laughs> <laughs>